Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in us to make us uh, come into synchrony with what God's plan is. I've shared before and I'll say it again, we've come into a unique time uh, that for me it parallels what was happening in the early 70s where God began to manifest himself in great salvation and waves of healing, people being filled with the Holy Spirit and there was a kind of uh, renewal or revival that was taking place. I perceive the same season is upon us again. I know that the, the world seems to be creating all kinds of challenges to what God's plan is, but his plan will prevail because his people will choose to go with his plan. When, whenever God gets a people to cooperate with what he wants, great power, great anointing, and great authority all become available, and things shift in a direction of what God wants. I believe we have the ability to cooperate with him and see the salvation of God sweep like a wave across our land again. Whenever a, a land is, is become kind of a desert spiritually, God causes people to begin to cry out and pray and he sends a refreshing and the refreshing comes as, as a storm of rain sweeping the land. And when the rain comes, everything kind of comes alive and perks up. I, well, anybody that's uh, farming knows to, to pray. There are certain times you just want it to rain. You know, many times farmers will go plant the, the seed and they're, they're, they're kind of taking a gamble. They put it just in, into the moisture enough that it will be able to break, the, break through and come up and begin to grow. If the rain comes too soon, it's hard for the, the plant to emerge. And if it doesn't come soon enough, the root has to go down really fast. Understand God's timing for us is always perfect. And our whole ability to bring forth a harvest for Him is it has to do with our faith in Him. That He'll send what we need in a timely way for our soil to produce for Him. Now, many times you, you, you hear the, the parable of the sower and people talking about seed and giving. I'm not talking about that today. But I am talking about the parable of the sower and what I believe is the purest form to, to teach on it is about the soil. Whatever seed you plant, you're going to get a harvest from that seed if the soil and conditions are right. There's a lot of emphasis on getting the best seed or the right seed. But when it comes down to it and you fly over central Illinois in the middle of the summer, you see corn, you see soybeans, and it doesn't matter what the seed was, you can identify what the harvest is going to be. Because there's all different names on the seed, but essentially it's programmed to bring about the same harvest. When you fly over, though, you can tell where there's a little bit more green, there's probably going to be a little bit better harvest. You can tell by the population in the field and how quickly the rows fill out. If you're flying over, really, if you have a trained eye, you can drive down the road and you can look out and tell when there's going to be a good harvest. Why? There are things that can be uh, earmarks or signs of the harvest to come. Now, understand in, in, in this picture, you are God's soil and he calls you good ground. He didn't make any junk, okay? 
He knows that it may take a little longer in one kind of soil than another for something to emerge, but within a few days, the same potential is there and the same harvest can come. Yet our benefit from, from living for God and living in the kingdom of God is, is not so much on uh, what, what seed we plant. We want to plant good seed, but it's on what condition are we in. I believe that this last year has left people in kind of a parched condition. When I asked the Lord what to bring, he said, you understand the natural conditions. We're, in, we're on the edge of kind of a drought zone. It's very dry for this time of year in Illinois where we, we need about five inches of rain to come over the next six or eight weeks and let it perk down real slow and get all the farmers antsy that it won't dry out soon enough. And then they'll get out there and plant, but the moisture will be just right. And I'm believing, God, that happens for our region. But it is a picture of what God desires to happen spiritually. When we don't put ourselves in fellowship with him enough, we dry out. When we don't uh, work on conditioning our lives when the seed comes, it doesn't produce anything. You know, when pastor gets up and brings the word, what it is is bringing the classic seed of God's word that will bring forth an abundance of every kind of good thing God has promised in our lives. But it's just the seed. I'll be faithful to bring it again and again and again. But the soil makes all the difference, and I'm going to tell you, you are a steward of yourself. I can't steward you. You know, what, what we recognize, any farmer with, with land recognizes, they drive all around the countryside to see which field is ready first, and then usually the younger are a little more antsy than the older guys because the older guys have watched that field for 25 years. They're saying, no, there's a moment when that little wet patch dries out, it's perfect, and not until, or we're going to have mucky trouble, and the planter's going to get bogged down, and there's going to be issues. We should recognize the condition of our own hearts like that. God's faithful to give us the seed to make this life transformed, but we have to make sure we are doing what we should do for the ground to be ready. I believe for what God has for us in this coming season, there's a requirement that we be made ready quickly for God's word to take root and there be a harvest that there maybe hasn't been in a while. The greatest frustration Christians should be feeling is doing some things right, planting right seed, but not seeing the harvest that the word promises. When you study the scripture, it promises a believer a minimum of a 30-fold return, but it's really saying our lives should at minimum produce that for the master. He gives us the will in this life to steward our own life, yet he expects the harvest he's looking for. So understand, he's kind of the landlord, and we're kind of the tenant. We're the tenant or the soil, but he's the one saying what he wants the harvest to be, and we're the one either yielding to him for a hundredfold return or limiting him on less. Understand when the master's pleased, life is better. Understand God is the steward of the whole earth. 
He made it all, and it all still belongs to him, including we, his people. And he calls us the good ground. Why? He has a predisposition for us to produce a life of blessing that gives him honor and glory and at the same time benefits us. His good harvest is in our best interest. If we're producing for him, Scripture says if we, we seek him first, his will, his righteousness, his word, the things of life that we're pursuing tend to come after us instead of us chasing them. We want to chase after him. We've been teaching on the kingdom of God. This makes 10 Sundays. We had a, a baby dedication in the middle of there, so 11 weeks later, we're at part 10. It's interesting what the Holy Spirit wants to do. You say, well, why are you going so long on that? Because Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom of God. He taught in Matthew 13 the parable of the sower, and he said if we understand that one, we will have insight and revelation on the rest of them. And he said if we don't understand that, it's because our eyes are blinded and our ears have been deafened, and we can do something about that. If our eyes go blind and our ears go deaf to God's word, our heart gets hardened. And a hardened heart is like a, a, a farm where there's no preparation at all. And the seeds cast out on the open, hard ground. Something's going to come and eat it. Or it's just going to stay dry. Or it's going to get a, a, a flood and start to grow and dry out and be nothing. And honestly, around here, if that happens on a farm, whoever farmed it's going to get fired from farming it. Or the bank's going to take it back or something bad's going to happen. Sometimes we, we, don't, we don't remember who our Heavenly Father is. He's the steward expecting something to come of Jesus living in our heart. He's expecting when Jesus comes in that we recognize we no longer have a hard heart and we can't let it get hardened again. Yet I know many believers today, more not serving the Lord, more not in church than there are serving the Lord and in church. And they want to blame people or they want to blame God, but God says, no, you own your own heart. And when we keep our heart tender, when we hear God's word, something will come of it. When something doesn't come of it and our life is not transformed, we're supposed to be frustrated enough to say, okay, God, what is wrong with me? Because it's never something wrong with God's seed. His seed is programmed to produce. Life is in there. Life will, will, will come. God's a, a steward of sending the rain we need in due season, but if the soil isn't ready, the rain just runs off. Well, I want you to think about that as we begin. This is Matthew 13, 12, and I, I share it here because it's, it's what Jesus is talking about as he goes to teach the parable of the sower. So he's telling us what he's wanting to fix in the story. For whosoever has... To him shall more be given, and he will have more abundance. That sounds good. It's talking about God's word here. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken even that which he has. Well, this is Jesus talking. I would want to end up on the right end of that math problem. He says, if I have something of his word, if I'm active in his word, if I'm doing what he's about to talk about, I will have more abundance. 
But if I'm not doing what he says to do in this story, and I have not, I'm going to have even less. He's going to take away whatever I have. You say, the God that takes away, no, the earth will take it away. We're in an earth God created to produce, but we're an earth that, that is under a curse. And because we're living here, if we steward God's way, he says we, we will see an abundance. Why? When we yield to God, we break the curse that's on the earth that limits what we will produce. And though we're in the earth, we get a, we get a heavenly reward, a heavenly harvest, a heavenly answer. Why? We're tied to the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is sharing this before he teaches the parable of the sower. And he says about this parable, if you understand this and you get revelation on this, it will unlock all the kingdom parables and open up an understanding of the kingdom of God to you. Now, I've heard many preachers preach this about giving. This is not about giving today. This is about receiving God's word into you so that he can bring a harvest. We hear a lot about sowing the seed. Understand what God will give you seed to sow. He'll give you something to say. He'll give you something to speak into someone else's life that they can receive and they can, they can begin to produce something more. Today's word is all about that. But more than anything, it's about having our heart prepared so that when we hear it, we become a doer of that or a grower of that, or we become, we become a person that cooperates with what God wants to do, say, you can make something more of my life. Now, today is really about our soil being healed. I remember as a, a, a young kid between 10 and about 16 years old, this area was going, undergoing great change because farming was changing radically. We went from uh, the four-row planter that my grandfather was farming with to the six-row my dad bought when he started. And the, the size of equipment kept growing, and that, that caused people around here to rethink what was happening with the use of farmland. And many pastures got plowed up, taxes were going up, all kinds of things were happening that drove this, but the land began to change and become increasingly cropland. Wherever there was a, a stray tree out in a field or that used to be a pasture, it got bulldozed out. Wherever there was a fence row that wasn't needed to keep livestock in, it came out for one more crop row or two more rows to go over there. And Everything started to change, and the landscape around here became more and more about producing the main cash crop. Now, I'm not necessarily a fan entirely of that. Why? It looked prettier around here before all that happened. In my, my estimation, I like seeing a pasture once in a while, little animals running around, and some wildflowers in the road ditch that aren't being mowed. I kind of I remember that as a kid and enjoying the, the variety. But nonetheless, it was about what was being produced more and more. And I think different things drove that. And I won't get into my philosophy and my thinking behind that. But I want to talk about the, the time that we're in. God is looking to maximize what he created us to be for him. And sometimes our life is, is too much about what we want to accomplish for us. 
and not first about what he wants to accomplish through us for him. I believe the greatest lesson of our generation will be about that. Allowing Jesus to be Lord instead of just Savior. Allowing him to be Lord of more instead of just Savior taking us to heaven, Lord of more of our life while we're here. Now, if we'll pull the, the parable up, I, I want to share a few verses on the big screen, uh, mainly because I couldn't fit it all in my notes and I wanted it, you to be able to see it. Hear ye, therefore, the parable of the sower. Flip it over. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. That's what we're just talking about. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in a stony place is the same as he that hears the word and anon with joy receives it. Yet he has no root in himself and endures for a little while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, who also bears fruit and, win, and brings forth some 100-fold, some 60, and some 30-fold. And that's it. Now, there's more to that in your Bible where Jesus is giving them a picture than he's giving them an understanding. I'm focusing on the understanding instead of the picture. Jesus is just now sharing what he was warning people about where we started. He that has shall more be given. He that has not will have taken away what he has. Understand that has to do with your soil condition. That has to do with what you're letting God do in your life. I think there's been far too much focus in the past 40 years on what can the church get from God for free. Well, we, we know salvation is a free gift. I'm thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you, after the fullness of salvation, Jesus is looking at his church. He's looking at his family. And he's saying, okay, who's going to now give themselves back to me? Who's going to turn back and say, Lord, thank you for saving me, giving me heaven, giving me healing, delivering me from the devil, giving me the mind of Christ, helping me see I can be something more than I ever would have been without you. Thank you for blessing my life. Now I want to be available to you. I want to see what I can do for you. I was talking about that farmland being transformed earlier where things were being plowed up and cleaned up. And I think of all the old farmsteads. When I was a kid, every mile had three or four on them, literally. Farmsteads were everywhere. Some of them hadn't been lived in in 40 years. And the land was let to grow wild. And if you went out there, when, when I was a little kid, we dug up plants at all those places, all the old flowers and old things. We'd haul them all home and plant them somewhere. We would dig around the foundation of the house and find coins and marbles and sleigh bells and all kinds of things that were left behind from the people that lived there 50 and 100 years ago. 
Then something changed in the land, and there was suddenly more of a demand for that land, and our family started cleaning up the old farmsteads. That's where the excavation company really started, was cleaning up farmsteads, because Dad would look at a dilapidated farm and offer to clean it all up for free if we could rent the land. So guess what the three boys turned into? Three mules to help clean up the old farmstead because there was stuff to pick up and junk to clean up and what today would be vehicles that people would, would be wanting. I think of how many old pickup trucks got hauled away and smashed that today would be collector's items. How, how many tractor parts and, and, and things that people today would pay a lot of money for at an auction got piled up and burned and the rubber would start the fire, then you cleaned up the metal and usually somebody from one of the bigger towns would come with a truck and load up the metal and haul it off for free to sell it for two cents a pound or whatever they were going to get. But there was a great cleanup effort because land that was allowed to sit still now had more of a value and people were competing for what it could produce. Understand that the enemy of God, the devil, is trying to keep our lives bound up where we can't produce what God originated us for. He didn't create the world to first be about us. It was first about him. We were to be here as a compliment to him. We were the love in his heart that he wanted to show somebody. We were the people that he wanted to call his family. But he had an expectation of the family to be a part of what it is he wanted to accomplish. When Jesus came, he, he came to bring us into the family business to produce the life of God in the earth, to be a people that the world could look at and say, God's doing something there. There's something about our life that's to be marked that way. I remember when we cleared those farmsteads for years. We, we used to run row cultivators. All the gray-haired guys know what I'm talking about, and if you don't have gray hair, you probably don't know what we're talking about because now they use chemicals. But we used to drive down through there and work the soil up between the rows, and you had to be, have a good eye to do it, but you had to watch out for things because where the old farmstead was, there kept be stones would keep coming up. Every time you'd plow, you'd have to be careful. You might get hooked on something that was down deep and break a shank on the plow. Why? There was stuff under the surface working its way up that would have to be cleared for years to come, or the harvest in that part of the field uh, wouldn't be as good, and or the equipment to bring in the harvest would get something up in it. And you'd hear a farmer hollering all the way across a mile as the, the rock went up in the combine or broke teeth off the, the cutters or, or tines off of the wheels, whatever. Something would happen. Understand what God is doing in us right now may be a little uncomfortable. He has a harvest in mind. He has a harvest in mind that will not just bless him, but will change our lives if we will yield to him in the preparation season, if we will yield our hearts to him to do a new work. Today, as, as we minister in the altar, there will be some old things that work up in some of you that the field can be cleared. There will be some, some residual weed seed that got tilled around a little bit by a pandemic or a loss of a job or, or what, something that happened to you in the past few years. 
See, if you, you dig the soil too deep, you bring up a 100-year-old weed seed, and you get a whole lot of weeds. Now, in modern farming, you just go spray all the weeds, but those chemicals build up, and pretty soon in Illinois, there's going to be a chemical problem. You can predict it. Why? Because that really isn't God's design to just spray the surface and kill stuff. He wants the weed seed gone. He never designed the weeds to be out of place anyway. God created a world of order. He created for us a life of perfect order, but we get it all botched up. Much of what people today see as sin has a, a root issue. It's life out of order. It's doing things out of order. It's, it's getting, getting, uh, getting life twisted around the way we think we want to do it and make our decisions instead of following God's plan. Now, today the soil's being healed, and this is scriptural, but there is, a, there is always a competition for the harvest God has in mind. Problems that you think you are having in your life that God's word doesn't come to pass has an enemy behind it. Scripture says in, in the parable of the sower, an enemy has done these things. So rather than be disappointed in ourselves, we have to recognize we have an enemy to contend with and we can outsmart him by yielding our heart to the master. Jesus has a way of causing our heart to be adjusted in a timely way to not miss the harvest season. Now, in this story, they're dealing with some limiting predispositions. Talked about the rocky soil. The rocky soil where the, the seed went out and it sat on a rock and birds and animals came and ate it all up. What is a, a rocky place in our life? It's something that we think can't be changed. I remember one of the farms near Roberts, I won't name the, the, the place, but there was granite out there. Big old hunks of granite. The only farm we had like that. And every year it seemed like always I was the guy turning the earth over in, in the fall. I was the, the last one out there. And you never knew where the rock would be. And what happened over the years is the equipment got bigger and it would dig deeper. So every time we got a new piece of equipment, that farm was hazardous to the new equipment. And every year I was warned, be really careful out there or you will tear up the new plow. You will tear up the new, well, you, you look out over the surface and everything looked fine. We picked up all the rocks in the spring, you know, but you, you had to learn something. On the surface, you might see just a little bit of granite. You couldn't trust that that's all was there. We had to hop out and probe to see, is this a big piece or a little piece? Because the big piece wouldn't only break the equipment, it would stop the tractor dead in the field. And when that happened, usually up in the buildings, dad or grandpa would be. And if they heard the tractor pull down, somebody was dead meat. All right. <laughs> now, what's the lesson in this? There are things in us that we've ignored because it doesn't look like it's a, a big problem until it starts to work to the surface. There's something that happens in, as we mature as Christians. Things that are in there, in the way, start to work to the surface, and God's called us good ground. When he calls you good ground, he's prophesying something. 
And when he prophesies your good ground, if there's some stony place in you, it's going to work to the surface. When it works to the surface in your mate, you wonder what's got into them. When it happens in you, they wonder what got into you. And what it was is there's something down in there that worked to the surface by hearing God's word. And we find out we ought to be different than we are and we get frustrated and if we don't let God bring it to the surface and we don't cooperate with him, we have to start working around it and avoiding the issue and avoiding the issue. So some people, when they go out to farm, can't even put in the equipment God designed to bring a bigger harvest. They've got to go in with the two-row planter and work around the rocks. Go to, go to foreign nations, they're still farming like that. Or if there's enough big rocks, they've got to take the mule out there and make a row wherever they can. Oh, how they wish they could bring in the bulldozer like we could do here to clear the field and just have the dirt left. Understand the Holy Ghost today is on the bulldozer. If we will cooperate with him, he will work out those rocky places. And here's the mercy of God. When you think it's just a little thing, he's not let you see beneath the surface or you'd give up and go home. He knows what's behind the surface and he knows how to bring it up and get it out of the way. Scripture says that he will destroy that yoke, not just move it. We'd move it to the edge of the field. Then when autos built their pond, they wanted all the granite on the edge of that field because it was close to their house. So they went out there and collected a bunch of it and put it, well, it's real pretty around the pond. All you're wanting to grow is fish and they like rocks to be in. But out in the cornfield, it was a problem. Understand what God means to do today is expose in you things that need to be dealt with that you can't deal with on your own, with your own bare hands. He's getting you ready for a harvest that is better than you've had because it will glorify Him. It isn't first about us. We have a wrong idea about the harvest. It's first to give Him glory. He wants to look out and say, look at that. Look at my kid. Look at what they did. Look at how they yielded their life to me, and I was able to transform what the devil tried to mess up in them, got fixed. See, the devil messed up the world, and he messed with people's lives in the world, but Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost and shake it up and clean it up. And when we let him do it, everything changes. So there's rocky places he wants to deal with. He says that there's tribulation and, and imposed poor condition. Sometimes tribulation comes. Sometimes trouble just comes. A hailstorm hits you. Well, it takes something supernatural to fix the damage of a hailstorm. What does God do? Instead of insuring you against damages, he insures a harvest if you trust him. So sometimes we allow a setback to come in because we didn't get our mind faith-focused. When there's a middle of tribulation or trouble in our lives, we've got to choose to be faith-focused and say, no, God said there will be an abundant harvest and I'm trusting him. And when we speak God's word like that, his healing hits our land, hits our life, and it's transformational. Why? He came to, to take back what the enemy stole. And he'll do it in the, in the same year, in the same season when we trust him. Now, Second thing he said we'd have to deal with is residuals in and on the soil. You've had things happen to you. You've had, th th think of if this soil outside the door could speak, it would say, uh, back in the 80s, they put this chemical on me. 
And it wasn't good for me. And in the 90s, they changed it to this to get a little better yield, and it wasn't good for me. And in, I needed lime, and they didn't bring lime to fix my acidity. I needed more nitrogen because they keep wanting 200 bushel corn and better. And if the soil could speak, it would be telling us a whole lot of things that need to be different because there have been conditions imposed upon it. If the soil could predict the future, it would be say, don't plant too deep or plant deeper. It would tell us what to do. Understand God put in you a speaking spirit, a heart that knows things that you're not going to know any other way. But this life, we have things imposed. Things have happened to you by the hand of other people. Things have happened to you that might seem like an injustice. Things have been imposed on you that you couldn't control. But God says still, there will be an abundant harvest if we yield our heart to him. He can undo the things we thought could never be undone. In time, somebody will come up with probably a chemical or a treatment to purify the soil so it's not so full of contaminants. What I'm saying is God's already figured that out for you and me. He knows we live in a generation where there's more garbage being thrown at people than ever before. He knows that some of that hits us and affects our lives, and he knows how to clean it up and clean it out. He can do that in a moment. Why? He has a harvest in mind, and he doesn't care what has happened or come against you in the past. Jesus came to free you from whatever that was and whatever that is. That's what he's saying in this story. So he will deal with the residuals. Maybe you had a, a, a relationship that went bad and you don't trust people anymore. Distrust is a residual problem. It's because you trusted and it didn't work. You've got a residual you don't know what to do with. And it locks on with you and it gets in your mind and you begin to say, I'm not going there again. That did not work out for me. I don't want to be a people person. I don't want to reach anybody for Jesus. I don't like rejection. What is that? That's, that's, that's a residual that got on us somewhere. Or I no longer like men or I no longer like women. They were mean to me. So what do people do instead of dealing with the residual? They want to change what they're attracted to. So there's a whole lot of things happening in this generation that we need to wake up and recognize. Wait a minute. Jesus said there was a fix for this if we'll let him bring the fix for it. What he does is he looks for an open heart. He looks for somebody that says, God, I want you to steward my life instead of me figuring things out. Will you please come and steward my life? Will you make something more of my life than I can make on my own? Will you fix the broken down places in me? Will you cleanse the places in me that I can't clean up on my own? That's who Jesus is. Now, he also said we have to deal with the cares of this world. That's kind of a big one. Why? There's a lot of competition for you. The way God sees this world in operation is he wants to be first, he wants to be most, he wants to be trusted, but there are a whole lot of other gods in this world wanting attention, wanting time, wanting to plant seed in your mind, wanting to be first if they can be first, wanting to displace God. So he says we have to, to deal with those things, and think of it this way. I, I talked about the old farmsteads, and 
In those old farmsteads, usually, I would find the apple tree, or I would find the blackberry patch, or I would find something that I thought needed to be saved. And I like stuff like that, so my mind was, maybe we can farm around this tree or dig it up. If it was too big to dig up, there was always the same fate for that tree is coming out. Why? Dad, Dad didn't blink an eye at taking anything out of the way, so he didn't get the planter hung up and torn up like we did several times in years prior. By something hanging out, landlord, landlady would say, leave the windmill tower. It's reminiscent of my childhood. And it seemed like that tower would reach out and grab the planter bar and tear it off every year. So eventually, there was, there was a need to move something that didn't work anymore. Now, that's kind of sad. It makes me kind of sad because I, I like old stuff. And when I'm driving, driving certain areas, there's a farmstead north of Forest. I always look over to the west of 47. It's still got all of its buildings. Yeah, there, there's one uh, east, uh, east and south of Gibson. Still got the windmill, still got the barn, still got the sheep shed, still got the chicken house, still has everything. I look and I recognize from my generation what every building was probably used for, and I think that's great. But for the most part, those things weren't taken care of, and that lifestyle was abandoned. And for the most part, those things are gone. Now understand, in, in the scheme of things, God is the landlord looking at his soil saying, hey, what about me? What about, he wonders, what about him? What about what he wants? And will we really trust him to put him first in our priority stream and expect him to take care of blessing the rest of our life? Or do we worry about getting our life blessed so we can live a little bit more for him? Which is it? Do we want him to honor us or do we live to honor him? Now, something to think about. In the USA, think of it this way. In our culture, you have trees that are in your life field by necessity. Everybody here's got a money tree. On you, the piece of real estate. You're God's ground. Somewhere in there has got to be a money tree. Well, you got to have a source of income. But do you think God would put the money tree at the center of the field? Or would he have a place for it to be to protect his harvest? Everybody in here has a family tree. Do you think God would put himself before your family or your family before him? That's a big argument in some Christian circles, but my Bible says he's jealous and wants to have first place. So that means God has an ideal way, a placement in your life for the money priority, a placement in your life for the family priority. Then there's yet another one in our culture, the fun tree. Or I'll say it this way, the recreation tree, if you want to think of it that way. Why Americans are famous for, for finding a way to do what's fun, even if they're not responsible with things they need to do. So sometimes people skip work to go fishing. It doesn't happen in a lot of other nations. Why? Because if they skip work, they're not going to eat and they'll have to go fishing. And they've done that before and they don't want to have to depend on the fishing pole to catch dinner. They'd rather have some cash in the bank to go buy some dinner. Ever been there? Sure. We, we, we learn from life experience. So there's the fun tree, uh, the recreation tree. There are a whole lot of trees. See, the, it's not wrong to recognize in this life we, we wear a lot of hats. We do a lot of things. But what is it God wants? And are we arranging things where the trees are in their place 
and God's field is ready to bring a harvest. Are we too preoccupied with the, the money tree or the family tree or the fun tree to deny God of his tree? Remember in the Garden of Eden, it was kind of about trees and, and the, where they were placed and they were locked out of the garden because they ate from the wrong tree. Many times today, Christians don't see the fullness of God because they give priority to the wrong tree. When he just wants first place, then what does he do? He'll bless the rest. He wants the family blessed. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to walk in health and healing. He wants you to have some fun. But he wants to be first before all of that. Whenever any of those things start to crowd into first, they're not in the right place in the field. I'm going to tell you something. They are doomed to the father's saw. I learned that as a kid. Now, so what do we do when God's word has not changed us? What do we do when we hear it and nothing comes of it? It's not the seed's fault. We have to really be honest. Today I knew it'd get really quiet in moments in this message like right now. Because moments of honesty, what, what I learned here, it's, it's a good sign everybody's going inward. <laughs> saying, oh, Holy Spirit, what is it? You know, don't let someone else know what it is, but tell me please. That's the right response. So what do we do when God's word's not changed? He says in verse 13, therefore speak out of them in parables. Jesus is getting ready to talk about the parable of the sower. Because they seeing, see not. There's an eye problem. Interesting, I asked ask Ben to pray. He prayed exactly these verses. In case you didn't notice, I, I, I knew the Holy Spirit said, call on him. So I did. I think he wasn't quite expecting it because he hesitated for a few seconds, but he said yes right away. Why? The Holy Spirit had something to say through Ben before I would get up and share the word so you'd have two witnesses right away. See, the Holy Spirit knows sometimes we've got to hear something more than once. Do you ever wonder why God designed two parents for one function? Because kids need to hear it more than once, right? <laughs> We're in the same boat. We, we, need to hear, we need to hear something more from Father God. Why he said, be a hearer and a hearer and a, hear the word a lot. It's when we decide to do it, he says, willing and obedient. Great. But hearing doesn't make us willing or obedient. It makes us a hearer. When we become a doer, then he could say, the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land, is what the Bible says when we're willing and obedient to God. Now, this is Jesus. Jesus is talking this whole time. So we can't say, oh, well, man got in there and pastor's misinterpreting what. No, this is Jesus speaking. And in them, oh, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not. Their eyes don't work and their ears don't work when it comes to God's word. Now, we, we found out why something's being taken away from them because they don't have anything to begin with. See, when we hear a little bit of God's word and we don't do it, we're going to lose more than we ever thought. Why? Because we opened up our heart to hear, and when there's an open heart, the devil try to come and steal every time. Now, neither do they understand, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, by hearing you shall hear but not understand. I hate that. Don't you hate to hear something and not understand it? Yes. That happens to me in foreign nations. If I go to Guatemala, I listen intensely. But if people around me are talking, I am so focused on the person talking. It's like, you will not. Well, I want to do the best I can to hear. Why? I don't, I, it, it doesn't matter that I exactly hear. It matters that I understand. 
I can hear the words being said, but there's no meaning unless I understand it. God is saying if we will let him steward our lives, we'll get the understanding. If we allow him to make something of us that is about him first, he's going to give us the wisdom and understanding to produce on all the trees in the right order so that he can bless the whole thing. That's what he wants. He doesn't want our lives to become obsolete. And after we die, somebody else comes along and says, I don't know who lived here, but they sure did weird stuff in this yard. We're just going to bulldoze it all out. Well, I want my life to be a little more eternal in nature than that. I want there to be something that God can say, hey, this, this little spot was planted the right way. It's in order and it's still producing. Every family wants that. You want what's happening in the generations to count for the next generation. God made us to be like him in that. But our ability to do that is to not be obsolete in what the father wants and yield to what he wants. Then there will be a legacy come of it. Most generations live within their generation and never look behind and never look forward and miss the most of what God has. Why? He wants to build the house on the rock and he's the rock. And when we yield to him, that house is going to stand no matter what comes against it and blows against it. And we're in a tempestuous age. There will be the storms, but there is always the Lord. Now, by hearing they hear but don't understand, seeing you will see but not perceive, for this people's heart is wax gross, turned hard. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they with their ears will hear, and their eyes will see, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I will heal them. Today's about a conversion. Saying, God, I want you to take my heart and let's convert it. I want you to convert it so that my life is more about you than about me. Now, granted, we're at living word. You've been taught some things about this. But I'm going to tell you what God does. He looks at the potential of what he made us to be. And if we have a little bit, he wants to give us something more. Today's about getting the something more. Today is about having your life count for something more than just what happens in your lifetime in this generation, but getting hold of God's legacy that says there's going to be something more built on this. And what we are arranging, we are arranging for the kingdom of God. The whole earth is going to yield to this truth. Jesus is expecting a thousand-year millennial reign where he puts this earth in right order again. It will happen by his decree eventually, but it can happen by faith right now because we know who our master is. He wants to restore that, that order so life can be more fulfilling. You know, there will be some fight and some struggle. There will be some unearthing granite. There will be some dealing with weeds and, and knowing how to treat life and treat people and, and work together. There will be some things we've got to get right, but he helps us get it right. That's who he is. Now, he says, be converted and I will heal them. Now, I'm going to talk about this conversion he's talking about a little bit because we want to let God heal our life and, and bring a kingdom harvest Here's how you know you need healing. You're not producing. If you're not producing what the master wants. One of the things he wants, he wants us all to be soul winners. Another thing he wants, he wants everybody who is a disciple to be making a disciple. Another thing he wants is for us to live a life of faith focused on him and not this world. He wants us to know he's our source and he will work through whatever instrument to make a living that he has to. He wants the money tree to be second to him or third to him or fourth to him. Why? I think your family should come before your money. 
Most everybody in this house, I think, would agree with that. But God has to come before all of that. Why? He will bless everything beneath him. He will bless nothing ahead of him. That's what it means to give him first place. So when we're wrestling, or let's say it this way, something in life is wrestling with you and trying to take first place, you take authority over that. If your workplace starts to take over your life, you take authority, say, in Jesus' name, I will be the best employee, I will be the best boss, I will be the best in my role, but this place will not possess me because I am owned of God. And what happens is the enemy has to bow his knee, or you go change jobs. See, sometimes when the enemy doesn't bow his knee, we think, oh, well, I've done everything I can do. No, sometimes we've got to rearrange life. You know, I've been been sharing with you, there's a great global reset that the world is talking about. I'm countering that. There is a kingdom reset. (laughs) And God is saying, wait a minute, if you belong to me, get in the kingdom. Understand how things work. Set your house in order. Have things in right order. Put him first. When we put him first, we can't wait to worship. We can't wait to, to turn to him and trust him for something. We will become more optimistic than pessimistic. I listen to the people of God, and when they're not faith-filled, they start complaining more, get pessimistic. We're in a world you can't help but see the troubles, but we're in a world where we're supposed to speak to the troubles, and the troubles jump into the sea. The mountain of trouble jumps into the sea and gets out of everybody's way, not just our way. We're here to change some things in Jesus' name. Now, this is what he says. We we, we have to hear some things. What do we want? We want to hear testimonies of victory. Everybody needs them. If you're not hearing any, produce one, and I bet you'll hear one. See, sometimes we forget we are to have the report of the Lord. That isn't just what the scriptures say, but how it worked for us. I know what the Bible says, and you'll get a little bit of interest from me when you start talking Bible with me. But when you tell me how it worked for you, I'm going to really pay attention. Why? It's not just enough to hear something. I want the understanding. And the understanding has fruit. Hearing has no fruit except frustration, unless you mix faith with it. Then an understanding comes. I'm going to tell you, you have something you have a greater understanding in than I do. Let's hear about that. What happened to you recently where God came through? Let the body of Christ hear about that. Why? It stirs faith. It brings somebody else's boulder to the surface and they say, if they can get theirs extracted, I can get mine extracted. Why? There's hope that comes. I was thinking today, I want to get a a number of our over 70 crowd to share. I know things about them you don't know. I know victories and fights that they've had where Jesus gave them the victory that you've never heard of. And you would think, I can't imagine they were bound by that. I can't imagine their life looked like that. Why? You see the farm after it's been cleaned up. I remember countless people saying, I never thought that old dirt farm would turn into anything, but look at it now. And and I, I would hear my dad say, thank you, Lord, for showing me some things to do. We just put in the work at the right time. I want to encourage you, there's work at the right time, and right now is to get our heart ready for what the master wants to do, to have focus away from ourselves and onto him a bit more. We we pray and receive, 
deliverance from residual things. Today, you're carrying, many are carrying residue from relationships that went bad. And instead of dealing with that residue, letting the Holy Spirit filter it out, we carry it around. Well, I tried that and it didn't work for me. Or I tried to witness and nobody responded. Or, you know, I, I, I tried to be a doer of the word and confess with my mouth that stuff. It didn't work for me. It seemed like all hell broke loose. Yes, you will always have a battle. So what do we do? Instead, we, we change ourselves and we start planting a different kind of crop. Oh, well, I used to trust God as my source, but, you know, that wasn't working very well, so I got a second job, so now I'm, I'm trusting my two jobs. Be careful because that will change. Be careful, leave a residue on your heart to become hardened to God. Are there seasons you may have to work double? Sure. Should it be a lifestyle? I don't see that in the scripture. I see in the scripture if we put him first and we humble ourselves, God will heal our land. See, everybody's crying out for the nation. I would cry out for yourself right now. Because when God's people get healed, the land gets healed. That's how it works. Why? We're his land. No. So we pray and receive deliverance. That's, that's going to happen in today's altar. I, I, I knew it would. I knew it would before I got here. Why? God's going to do some things. What, what, what does that mean? God will free you of something you've not been able to get free of before. And it can, I'll just say it, it can be anything you want rid of that doesn't glorify God. I'll just say it that way. Now, we want to also manage our thought life. We've got to be careful what gets in our, our eyes and ears. Do you know what shuts them down from hearing and seeing God's word? It's too much of the wrong stuff that blinds our eyes. You know, people ask me, this is a huge uh, epidemic in this generation within church people. Oh, why is porn bad? It, it, it blinds your eyes and makes your ears deaf to what God says because it's not something giving him glory. It's really built on fake and fantasy. So what is it? It's a substitute for something real God has in mind that is sanctified and holy, but this is the other version coming from the other master. And the other master is not about you seeing and hearing God. He's all about you not having those experiences. So people say it's not hurting anybody. Yeah, it's hurting ourselves. We get caught in something like that. That's just a a little something, but we manage our thought life and be careful what we let in. We have to be careful of something else, what we dig up. You have a former life before Christ or maybe even early in Christ where some things went to seed because you didn't hoe them out of the field and that seed got plowed under and if you're not careful in the culture we're in, you can go dig around in your past and unearth things that were meant to destroy you to begin with. See, many Christians go back to vices they had before Jesus set them free, and they end up carrying that vice to the grave, or they end up living a double life with, with a, a habit or a pattern or an addiction that they were set free of in the first place. Jesus doesn't set us free to put the yoke around us again. He destroyed the yoke. He pulled up the weed, but understand for, for many people, things go to seed and they get buried. And after enough seasons, I'll say it this way, after enough seasons, those old weeds come to the top. That seed comes to the top. If you grow a garden or you, 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 you farm, you know that. Things will keep filtering up and you'll think, 50 years ago, I, I remember a situation. 
looking to see if they're here. A cer certain people were our landlord in the family. Russ and Lila Reed had a farm just a couple miles from us. We farmed there. They had an old, old hog barn. They never had hogs in it as far as I could remember. They had horses out there. Horses eat hay, but hogs eat most anything, right? If, if they like the smell of it, they'll eat it. And somehow in that, that old pasture, there was seed that had been there for I don't know how many years. But a kind of weed came up we'd never seen before. It came up and it grew really fast and turned into taller than me, seven and eight foot tall things in the soybean field. Of course, we're out there supposed to chop them all down. As soon as you start chopping them down or pulling them up, there's no soybean left in the whole three acres or so where that pasture was. So we just got out the sickle mower and mowed the whole thing off. And Dad said, did you get all the weeds out? Yes, sir, we did. Is there any beans left? No, sir, there's not. But we got the weeds out, thinking they would not go to seed again. They were jimson weeds, if you know what jimson weed is. A big old sticker ball on it. We'd get into fights and throw those sticker balls at each other and see if we could get it to stick to the skin. And it hurt like the devil. Now, why do I tell the story? Because you've got something like that. See, the fall of man gave us the potential to dig into the world's ways and have things take over completely and suddenly that don't belong in our life. I know the Holy Spirit's having me say this today to create an uncomfortable moment in church for anybody that is urgent enough to want to be free of something that came up like that because it only will let the devil steal what God has in mind. And he's jealous of his harvest. I'm going to tell you something about the power of God. The power of God will come into any person who wants God to have his way and bring a harvest that gives God glory. The devil can't stop that. Why, God designed us to be like that in the first place. About to wrap it up. Give God's harvest the first priority. Rearrange, think about your priorities and think about what challenges you and rearrange things to give God more opportunity. I wonder how many hours do we sit by the fun tree of recreation compared to the minutes we give the master in prayer to look inward. See, we're in a culture dangerous to our relationship with God. It's not a passive thing. Recognize the enemy is artful. I'll say it this way. Probably entertainment is at an all-time high across the world. And America has led the way in it. But if we're not careful, that tree dominates the whole landscape. You probably know people that should be working but don't work anymore, but they will sure not miss their three shows or their, their high-fat stuff they want to eat or whatever, whatever their entertainment is. Why, McDonald's is a form of entertainment, if you didn't know. It's fast, it's easy, it's quick, and it's tasty, but it's deadly if you have too much. I'm not coming against McDonald's, okay? Occasionally, I go through there and order something semi-healthy, at least compared to everything else. I look at, the, look at the damages and pick the least damaging thing, and I get the egg McMuffin, no cheese, no sauce, pretty good for you. Well, a little bit of protein, and well, anyway, enough of that. What am I trying to say? The Holy Spirit today wants to open our eyes and ears and heal us by converted thinking. He can't heal a heart that isn't first converted. Jesus said that as we were, were talking here. He can't do a work unless we change our thinking. So I don't know. My, my responsibilities are so great at work. I have to honor that. 
listen to what you're saying, and then say, God, you have a way to rearrange my life. I don't know what it is. I don't see it, but you do. And somebody in your life is wishing you would do that. Why? Because the family tree wants to be more important than the work tree. But what happens is the God tree then moves to third, and family tree and work tree strive to have first place, and the God tree has moved over into the hedgerow. And pretty soon, because we're trying to protect something we know should be a certain way, but we're not protecting it God's way. He said when we, we allow him to establish order and priority in our life, he's going to bless the rest. And he just has to be first. After that, if you want to be foolish enough to give work your first priority instead of family, you'll eat the fruit of that. So what does he do? He, he wants to be first. He wants the family structure to mirror what he had in mind in the first place. And when we get those two pieces right, honestly, life is pretty good. In America, we've been kind of trained to think that the income level we acquire might define how life is good. And I'm going to tell you, some of the richest people I know have major family problems because the family tree got moved to the hedgerow and the work tree took preeminence. And when those folks get old and die, their kids don't come around to see them anymore. Why? Because family wasn't, family love was not as important as the love of money. I'm just sharing some things from my heart. This is the kind of thing that you wish you had people for six hours wide awake so that you could share more and more about it. Why? We're in a world meant to steal God's harvest. The seed is the seed, and it's God's word. But the soil is our own life. We're going to sing a song, and at the end of the song, you can be dismissed if you want to go, but uh, we're going to consider the altar open even while we're singing because I, I know there's an anointing. Anointing came on me during worship. It's, it's, it's happening again where I perceive the power of God to make change just like he said. See, when you wonder what God's going to do, he tells you in the scripture what he's going to do. I believe there's a greater freedom and a greater liberty and a greater produce in our life than ever before. And if you're not joy-filled, there's an underlying problem. If, you're, if it's not easiest for you to wake up on Sunday and sing and get ready for church and get here early, then there's probably something down in there. Why? It should be the easiest thing in our life to do if our heart is yielded. Why? If the land could speak and say, give me something good. I believe that's, that's what God's doing. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's Word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of His Word.